Hey guys, welcome back to the Moontime Munchies podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Daly, and today's episode is You Are Not What's Happened to You. Um, Today is my 22nd birthday, and these are the things that have been on my mind, and I actually wrote this today as well, so let's just dive right in. So this morning, I'm out to breakfast with my grandmother and eating far too much, by the way. I had a muffin, an acai bowl, avocado toast, an oat milk latte, and a couple chocolate-covered almonds, to be exact. Um... I do a lot of verbal processing of my thoughts with the people I'm comfortable with, mostly my best friend, and it kind of sounds like this podcast, just less organized. Um, During a lull in conversation, I gasp when I realize that I may have lied in complimenting the waitress. I don't like to lie. I understand it's necessary sometimes, but there's a lot of energy of shame lingering around the idea of it for me, so I try, if I have to, to talk around the truth. In this case, I realized I told the waitress I liked her jeans because I wanted to give kindness to somebody who I thought had good energy, Um, and I liked them on her, but the jeans themselves weren't it for me. I laughed as my grandmother rolled her eyes and remarked that this is what it's like in my brain and how loud my morals are allowed to be. I noted that this was in direct parallel to how people assumed I was in the past. This privileged, arrogant, entitled bimbo type. This projection trauma ingrained itself so deeply into my mind that I've already referenced it in many episodes that I've written before this one. How people used to view me is a constant filter I use in how I present myself. But as I bring up the shocking difference between what people used to think of me and who I actually am and was all along, I find us both bored with the hundredth something time I've mentioned it and follow it up with, I think I need to let that go. She immediately and adamantly agreed. Because, as I'll demonstrate, this is something I've held onto and has colored my every thought my entire life, which also means that just letting it go won't necessarily be an easy feat. This week, I've been writing the episode, The Power of Being Blonde, where I break down how we portray women and female sexuality in the media and what it means for our psychology as a society, as well as the personal impact on my mind coinciding with trauma and gaslighting, teaching me what to believe about myself and how to navigate the world. I've even just begun starting to learn about witchcraft, and it seems at the root of every variation of this practice is the truth of a woman in her power. My family asked me this morning if I felt any different now that I'm 22, and almost every birthday the answer is no, and every once in a while the answer is, wow, yeah, this feels like a different time in my life. And this morning felt different than that, but also not the same as before. I haven't quite put my finger on it. My friends and family have noted how exponentially I've changed and matured these past two years, and I see it too. I can look back to a photo or video I took then and remember what I was thinking and the energy I held and know that I'm so different now. I've always been very dedicated to self-improvement and expansion, but it has shifted from a decade of simply recovering to a time of becoming, of stepping into myself. And I think that different feeling is now an awareness of what's happening. 
enough of an understanding of self that I can consciously choose to be her and act as such. For the first several years when it's just trauma healing, you're so in the fog that you have no point of reference to contextualize your progress. As I put it to my grandmother this morning, it's like my entire life I was treading water and now I know how to swim. The work isn't life-threatening, overwhelming, and all-consuming. It's the same shit, but I understand it and myself. I have the resources to move about it effectively and with purpose. With an understanding of how your reality reflects the energy you bring to the table, I see how a few misunderstanding and gaslights of my earliest youth ingrained this deep fear and therefore self-isolation and subsequent bullying from casting myself as other. It was the fear of being misunderstood that caused the misunderstanding to persist. I felt it strong enough to attract more of it. One of the most powerful things my therapist of the time said that really stuck with me and is a lens I feel is essential to share when attempting to help others with this work is it is not your fault the things that have happened to you, but it is your responsibility to heal from them. It's validating, but it also acknowledges the necessity of healing from the damage inflicted upon you because the fear of it will cause you to continue to cultivate that energy. It's like a parasite. Unattended, it will feed on your life source energy, harming you and the ones you come in contact with until it is powerful enough to be all-consuming. It will match your stubbornness in neglecting it with its obstacles or negative emotions or however your particular reality reflects itself. I've started to make minor shifts in my behavior. I've started choosing the energy I walk into a room with, the intention I have for the actions I take, and to share my truth and perspective before it can be assumed, but also only when it's necessary. I no longer feel the need to prove or explain my existence. It's changed the way I dress. I allow myself to be more feminine or dress up in a more expensive looking way than I used to, whatever that means. But I used to be afraid of what that meant. Even in my spiritual practice, I've been getting messages of claiming who I am and who I was meant to be and owning it. I've known since I was a child that I was meant to sing and act and create and perform in general. I've been having these stories of Jim Carrey calling himself a millionaire years before he was, or Lady Gaga knowing that she was famous her whole life before she was and acting as if, popping up on my For You pages, because when you're meant to do something for the world, it's bigger than you, and you just know. I know that I'm being called to do this, but I have this anxiety pop up, specifically this one memory. I have this trauma flashback of a girl who decided to hate me instead of continuing what I would have called at the time friendship due to our individual insecurities, but also her projections of my intentions, which again, I accepted. She said that I treated my friends like fans. I was appalled. Even though every artist that I admired treated their fans like friends, I didn't want that distance between me and my connections. I wanted intimacy and friendship. I wanted them to see me and how deeply I cared. My heart ached. But 
in my detachment from intimacy and hiding my true self, I can see how she felt disconnected. And knowing that performing was the dream of everyone in a performing arts school, it seems like a good guess for a below the belt kind of hit, even for somebody you didn't really know. In the car ride home from this morning's breakfast, when my conversation with my grandmother resumed again after our period of independent, quiet cafe work, we were talking about the different styles of architecture we've noticed living in Florida these past two years, for we both have an appreciation for design. I mentioned a specific architectural style and broke it down into an entire aesthetic, saying that this building design reminded me of these people in this age group with this social class and these fashion choices, and I laughed with her as we both acknowledged the well-established truth that my mind, that my mind works in aesthetics. Ooh, girl, can't speak today. <laughs> I always thought these parameters were more liberating than anything else because there's so many aesthetics that I identify with that having these categories allowed a context in which mixing and matching pieces of different energy representation meant something. But it also stands true that in this very episode, it can be harmful when we use these things to define and limit people. It's clear that our fashion has power and the choices we make clearly reflect what we hope to project. Just as all assumptions and stereotypes have their roots in truth, but it's a limitation on people when we fail to give them the benefit of the doubt or we deny space to allow them to show us who they are. That's when it begins to harm people. There is no way as an artist, to be aware of all the implications or even the origins of what we do, or to not make mistakes or to be hypocritical at times. It's the openness, the space for conversation. It's the willingness to learn or be made the fool that saves us. I realized today that I would have always labeled myself as someone who doesn't care what people think because I was always clear on my vision for life, no matter what limitations others believed about my goals. I always knew who I wanted to be, the friendships I wanted to have, the relationship I would want with a significant other, the career I wanted, the household I would run, everything really, down to the little details and accessories. These goals never did veer from the original outline. They just got more detailed or varied as I evolved as a person, but in actuality, I cared a lot about what people thought because as much as I resonated with a certain list of accomplishments more than traditional expectations, they weren't who I was as a person. And I cared a lot about how I was seen as a person because I wanted to feel loved and accepted. I hadn't felt that before. This tangled itself into a web where my fears and desires limited each other. I was too afraid to be a vulnerable performer. I didn't feel worthy enough to be loved by a friend or a partner. I even attached the idea of all of these material things being some superficial proof to those who treated me poorly that I was deserving once I obtained them, forever putting these realities in my future by not believing myself worthy of them now and caring far too much what the people who I was never enough for or far, far too much for would think about something that had nothing to do with them. I also realized this year just how stubborn I am. 
I spent my lifetime believing that I was the most go-with-the-flow, easygoing person in the world. I let so much just happen, but my passion for what I believe is right and true has been much stronger than my fears. My whole family will avoid confrontation like their life depends on it, but though I pick my battles and I don't care about many things that concern plenty of people, I have always been the one to stand up for the injustices that have crossed my path in life, even when they weren't mine, even when they got me into more trouble than good. I'm really grateful that my dad saw this in me and commented on the admirability of this quality because I too am proud that I always fought the good fight when I could. I carry this same stubbornness into my ideas for the future that I had just mentioned before and how I've consistently refused to settle. But because I laugh at so many of the hangups and petty squabbles that plague the life of everyone, really, I didn't think that I was stubborn at all. I used to think that this was a bad thing. Now I'm seeing I'm incredibly stubborn and I'm so proud of that. This allowing of my authentic self has really been me identifying in myself the traits I was terrified to embody and owning them with pride. Instead of denying these parts of myself that others couldn't love, even though that meant that they would never love all of me anyway, and that their disapproving of these traits was because of what they believed they meant, which limits what they could be. So in my description of this post office building, I believe it was, that was all white with this black framing and window shutters that gave me this beachy, young, wealthy, Hollister and Abercrombie white kids with inheritance wearing navy blue and being tan on the beach with their blonde hair vibes. (laughs) It led me to explain how when I was visiting my father for the holidays, someone had brought up that when they met me, they had never known somebody to use the word aesthetic so much. And to be fair, this was during the rise of Instagram aesthetics. I had just learned what it meant and my own ADHD hyperfixation on the concept grew because I finally had a justification and an explanation for something that I used as a tool as an artist for so many years. But even now, as I started that last sentence... With to be fair, I've had this constant need to justify or explain my existence or the choices I make. I explained to my grandmother that even the mention of meeting me in a time where I talked a lot about aesthetics gave me anxiety. I feared that my hyperfixation on the topic sounded juvenile, as many ADHD traits are written off like that. I feared that my interest in the topic was viewed as superficial, a title that riddled most of my fears and kept me from truly enjoying a lot of my favorite pleasures when it came to the beauty of things. Even if I knew my interest on the topic was more artistic or mindful than a box to sell myself in. My fear of how I was seen superseded my joy of the thing itself. She replied with the not-so-comforting hard truth that very few people will truly know your heart and intentions, but though the words hit me in a sort of numb way... I realized it was because I had already subconsciously made the decision to be unapologetically and authentically myself, to do what I love no matter what conclusions others drew about it, and I already felt as raw and torn open as I was going to be able to handle this morning. 
in that car ride, I realized my desire to write out these discoveries and perspectives to share them in this podcast and through my other projects wasn't just my desire to make a safe space for people or to make education more accessible, but I had been isolated and confused and alone for so long that if anything that I learned that allowed me to better understand myself or feel safe in my authentic self-expression could help anyone else feel just a little less of that pain, I would be more than grateful and I will have done what I was meant to do. Later on today, when I was failing to focus on my favorite guided meditation, which is the Rain Day Antiques by Headspace, and it is also available on YouTube, and I highly recommend it. I'm not a sponsor, but I absolutely could be. Headspace, hit me up. Um, <laughs> a story I had heard earlier this year came to mind. It was the story of a traveler who had met a person who raised elephants and asked them how this tiny string around the elephant's ankle kept them in place. The owner said that it was enough to hold them back as a child, so they still believed it able to do so. Even the cow pasture next door to where I live now keeps the cows contained with a thin barbed wire they could easily run through. Taking the time to be mindful, even the best I could today, a day after a productive one followed by only six hours of sleep with a mentally exhausting morning of self-reflection, it was clear that all of these messages that I had been getting for the last several months about rebirth, 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 <laughs> renewal, um, being a new and different version of myself and stepping out of the cocoon weren't just about closing the chapter where my identity needed to be about tending to the many wounds of my past and others and embarking on the chapter of building new upon this firm foundation, but also to hold a mirror to my personal change as a person. That's what personal means, guys. I, <laughs> not just the tools and resources and mindsets. One of the first comments I received this morning was that I no longer have milestone birthdays. Well, not until the decade ones, at least. I won't have the first double digits birthday and the becoming a teenager birthday and the sweet 16 and the legal adult and the legally able to purchase alcohol milestones again. Not that they really meant much to me or were ever really celebrated that much, but I think the little difference I felt this morning, but also in the lead up to my birthday, was the ownership of being an adult woman. What does it mean to me and how am I going to move about the world because of it? My friend and I joke all the time that we thought that there was going to be this magical point in time where we were just told how to be adults and everything just makes sense. And in our individual quests to trying to understand everything that we were never taught, we realized that even those who do have that privilege know shockingly little. And everybody's sort of, sorry for my language, but bullshitting their way through it all. I sort of resigned myself to thinking that I'll never have this one day where I feel like an adult. I would just progressively learn more, but I think today might be that day, my 22nd birthday. And it came about how all things do, from an intention set some time ago, unexpected and unattached, and fits seamlessly into your reality when the time's right and feels nothing like you thought it might. 
For a couple months now, since my real awareness of the reflection our shared reality portrays to each of us specifically in correspondence with our internal realities, I've been not only sitting with my ego and inner child and the fears and consoling them and reassuring them of the safety in my decision to take risks, but I've also reflected on the desires and fantasies of my mind. Why are those things, people, actions, events, etc. alluring to me? What feeling do I believe they'll bring? What does that feeling feel like? Try feeling it and playing out that fantasy in your mind. Is there resistance? Is there fear or anxiety? Are you ready to accept what you truly desire? What would it feel like to let yourself have that, to believe you're worthy of it? Can you cultivate this feeling for yourself so that you can attract what you are? So this is my 22nd birthday self-reflection. Today, I realize the weight that I've been carrying is a fear that I won't be seen as I feel in my heart I am. And today is the day I release it. You know, it's funny. For almost just as long as I've had these desires for my life, my favorite number was 22. And I believed it would be a significant year for me. Though in true stubborn character nature, I never wanted to accept my childhood divination because I wanted what I wanted now. In the last couple of months, however, I found myself unconcerned. I realized that I will always want the same things and I'm never going to lose that vision so I don't need to identify with it. I don't need to white knuckle it. I will be working towards the same goal at 44 and at 66 so why not be happy and live life while it's happening. Trust that these things excite me for a reason. Make the choices that I would make and see what happens. For the first time in my life I've let go. For the first time in my life, I believe myself worthy of my desires. For the first time in my life, I am the woman I put far away in the future on some pedestal. I think it's fair to say that that will reflect in some miraculous way this year and my baby self's intuition was right after all. Funny how it comes full circle. I guess we'll see. As always, this has been my thoughts on some things. I'd love to hear your perspective. My name is Morgan Daly and I'm on most platforms. Be kind, be mindful, and have a good day on purpose. Bye guys. Thanks for listening.